Well, I can say I am so thankful to be back with you, church family. I am uh, been gone for three weeks. Open your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, and as you turn there, I do just want to say a, how thankful I am for Mike and Dan and, and the elders and the leaders and this entire church. I was on vacation for two weeks, and uh, it was great to have confidence that uh, the church was being well cared for and fed, and uh, there were funerals and unexpected events, and I had absolute confidence in our leadership team to, to handle those things. I am so thankful for these men, and I love them so much. And, and on top of that, apparently, coming back to the office, uh, I had a must-be-allergic-to-work or something like that, so I became ill with an upper respiratory infection last week, and Dan uh, graciously filled in uh, for me at the last minute. And while I probably could have preached last week, two years ago I probably would have preached, uh, and it would have only been one service, and I might have coughed some and, uh, and made it through the service, but in the environment that we're in, preaching three times, I probably would have coughed up a lung, and people would be more concerned about that than focusing on the Word of God being preached, and I didn't want that to be a, a distraction. So, uh, And then on top of things, the, my coughing is still around a little bit, and so yesterday I was doing something and I coughed and my, my back just went and seized up. So if I look like I'm an old man today, uh, it's okay. You know what? Uh, I may feel like I'm 90 years old, but hopefully I can preach with all the wisdom that a 90-year-old would have uh, as well. So we'll pray for that. So actually, uh, you're opened up to 2 Timothy chapter 2, but before we read that this morning, uh, let's go to the Lord together. Father, thank you for this body of Christ gathered together to worship and to exalt your name. Father, I pray that you would give us a love for your word this morning, that you would instill your word deep into our hearts and help us to apply it to our lives. Father, and that that would pour out as a love for this local body and for your church around the world. Father, I pray that you would use your word this morning to give us a desire to invest in the lives of others, to see discipleship as you see it, and to make your great name known here in St. John's and wherever you might take us to the ends of the earth. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So we are going to jump back into our series on discipleship. Uh, and sometimes when we think of discipleship, especially if you're my age or older, you may immediately think of sitting down one-on-one -on -one and going through a Bible study with somebody who's a more mature Christian than you. And we think of that, that is what discipleship looks like. And while that is part of it, I want us to see that discipleship is building the whole body of Christ. Discipleship is not just for one-on-one -on -one relationships. It's for building the whole body of Christ. Let's look together at 2 Timothy Chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, where it says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlists him. So this is all part of what I want us to see and understand as this discipleship in action at First Baptist Church, where, where we have the, the know, grow, serve, and share concept that I introduced to you several weeks ago. And, and I think what you will see is that in this passage of Scripture, we're going to see all of these coming together in God's call for us as a church 
and, and Christians in general, to disciple other believers. And again, I have to thank Dan because two weeks ago, uh, while I was actually on vacation, in his last message that he was supposed to preach, he set this message up very well as he talked about uh, the Great Commission. But he said something that was very profound in there. He said, as disciples, we are not called to be hoarders of God's grace, not called to be hoarders of the good news. And too often, I think, as Christians, that's what we do. We, we're constantly taking things in, and we're learning, and we're growing, and we're knowing things, but we're not putting that out to share with others. If you've been at this church for a while, you may have gone through the Share Jesus Without Fear uh, evangelism training that we've used in different areas, and we used to use it over at the Beacon of Hope. And, and in that, Bill Fay says that a lot of Christians are spiritually constipated. They're constantly taking in with no output. And so we get all bound up. And, 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 and I think that sometimes that is a great challenge for God's church. And this passage of Scripture will show us how that is not what God intends for us as His people. So the first thing I want us to think about this morning, and our first point, is that life is hard. As we look at this text, we must keep in mind that Paul experienced great highs and lows during his ministry. Now, we're not going to go into all of them, but, but many of us are familiar with the, the shipwrecks that he faced, the house arrest, the persecution that he faced. He went through the ringer in ministry. Paul understood more than any of us here can imagine the difficulties of living a life sold out for Christ in a very hostile culture, in a culture that was contrary to his faith. And it's important for us to just kind of get a little bit of the background of the context of why he's writing to Timothy. Timothy is facing some difficult challenges of his own. And so Paul has had to encourage him to fight the good fight of faith, to press on, to, to continue to do the things that, that God has called you to do. He was telling his, his disciple Timothy to persevere and to not give up as you're serving Christ. And perhaps you're here this morning and, and you're tired and worn out too. Maybe you're facing difficulties and obstacles that, that no one here even knows about. Or maybe it's just the normal day-to-day -day life because being a mom is tough. And being a dad is, is tough. Or perhaps you're involved in some difficult situation with your family or some, some difficult situation in your, your work life. And, and you are just here and you're trying to find the strength to make it through one more week. Timothy was in a very difficult situation. He had adversaries in the church. He had, he had, there was contention going on all around him. People were abandoning him. And Paul gives him this challenge in the midst of all of that. And I think that it's beautiful that we see here the compassion and the care and the gentleness of Paul. I love the language that Paul uses. He says, you then, my child. Paul could be very tough at times. But in this letter, we see him being gentle and, and using this personal title and, and this little name for, for, for Timothy as he speaks to him gently. And let's not forget that Timothy is a young man. And oftentimes, young men like to, to charge ahead and they're ready to take on any obstacle. So maybe Paul is also reminding Timothy, his spiritual child, and saying, you know, you need to think about this and slow down a little bit. Reminding Timothy, just as he is reminding all of us, that, that the strength to persevere can only come from Christ. You know, Timothy, you're a young man, and I know you're, you're, you think you can handle all these things, but the strength to persevere can only come from Christ. He says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ 
Jesus. When life gets hard, we need to remind ourselves that the strength to persevere can only come from Christ. These are spiritual battles that we're facing in our lives, and we must fight them with the spiritual weapons from Christ. And and notice, the command of being strengthened is in the present tense, which reminds us that this is a continual process. We won't reach the point where we don't have to continually be strengthened by the grace that he's providing to us. Just because we had victory in our lives yesterday does not guarantee that we will have victory today. And victory today doesn't mean that we're going to be any less dependent upon the grace of God in our lives tomorrow to face the obstacles, to face the trials, to face the situations that we find ourselves in. And and, and we need to understand that that these are spiritual battles. And, And when we're thinking about spiritual battles, for many of us, it takes us to the familiar passage of Scripture where Paul shares with the Ephesian church about the armor of God. In Ephesians 6, six, verses 10 and 11, we read, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. When we are thinking of of going through difficult times, our, our minds should gravitate to passages like this. Because as humans, we oftentimes think that we are capable. I'm capable of handling this situation that I'm in. I'm capable of getting myself through this. I can handle it. But if we are to stand against the devil's schemes, we can't fight in our own strength. We must fight in the strength that Jesus provides. We have to constantly remind ourselves that the power to succeed can only come from Christ. Sometimes it's easy to be discouraged. We can have victory, but only in the strength that he provides. Ephesians 6 tells us to be strong in the strength of his might. 2 Timothy tells us to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Our powers to succeed can only come from Christ. But as human beings, sadly, we are extremists. Maybe your pitfall isn't that you think you're capable. If not, you probably go to the other extreme, and you think, I am not capable. In fact, there are many people, there are many believers that have followed the Lord for so long, but they think things like, well, I am so afraid to teach. I, I, I don't think I would, be, I would be ill-equipped to be able to lead that group. There's no way that I could teach a small group. There's no way that I could work in Awana. There's no way that I could serve over at the Beacon of Hope. There's no way that I could help out in that ministry. I am not capable. To be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus means that we understand we are not capable. But in the strength that he provides, we are. We've already looked at this in past weeks, and it's amazing to me that we see these things over and over in Scripture. Because humanly speaking, we either go to the one of those two extremes where we think we can do it on our own, or we think we are completely incapable of doing it. And Jesus keeps reminding us, in the strength that I provide, you are capable to accomplish these things, to go through these tasks, to, to complete these tasks, to go through these trials, and to serve me all the way through it. So whether we tend to be a person that that thinks you've got it or a person that tends to think you'll never get it, rely on the strength of the grace that God provides you in Christ Jesus. Because if you lean into him, you will be strengthened in the grace. Because in grace, because it is in Christ Jesus. Our text doesn't say that it might be there or we hope that it's there. Be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
as believers, we have access to the strength of Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, but too often we want to rely on our own strength, and we don't allow the strength of Christ to be at work in us. The second thing that I want us to see in our text here this morning is that disciples must always be learners. It's, it's so easy for us to, to forget that we are constantly learners as we are in Christ. See, Timothy actually learned from a very young age about faith in Christ. He saw this in his grandmother Lois, who in turn passed it on to her daughter Eunice, who in turn passed it on to her son Timothy. He saw this great heritage of faith in his life, and, and that's what he saw growing up. And then Paul is involved in his life, and certainly Paul would have had a lot of influence in his life. They got to serve together, they traveled together, they talked for countless hours as they, I'm sure that they lived together and traveled the roads. And, and, and so Paul had this great influence in Timothy's life. And now Timothy is the, the leader of a church. He is an elder of a church. And it would be easy to say he's reached the pinnacle of success. He's now there where he can just do all the things. But even though Timothy is leading a church on his own, Paul gently comes alongside him and says, My child, remember what you have heard from me. Paul isn't done with his disciple as he shares with him, I want you to remember all the things that I have told you in the past. Paul wants his protege to remember the lessons that they learned as they were serving together, as they went through trials, as they went through difficulties. Timothy, you have heard these things. Discipleship isn't only, it's important for us to understand that discipleship isn't only about helping someone get through the moment they're in right now. Many times, the lessons that we learn in our lives as somebody has discipled us, we may not put those into use for years and years down the road in our lives. We, somebody invested in our lives and we're learning these things and years from now we understand and, and the truth comes back to us as we saw their example as we remember the lessons that they taught us or as we remember how we went through things and, and God uses those things and Paul is telling Timothy remember those things that we have gone through in fact if you turn back to uh, verse 13 of chapter 1 we, we, we see again that Paul uh, has these words of encouraging Timothy to look back on his life. He says, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So he says again, you saw the pattern in my life. We've taught you these lessons. You need to remember these things. And even though you think that you're in charge of this church, you are still a learner who needs to continue to grow in your relationship with Christ and in your knowledge of our Savior. Now, as Timothy is going through this difficult situation in his church as he's not sure how to handle this paul says think back think back brother on all the things that we've learned together and there's a passage in here there's a, a phrase in here that sometimes is difficult for for people to translate he Tim, he tells timothy and, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses that that in the presence of many witnesses sometimes people will say well i think that means that that like uh paul gave some charge to timothy like at an ordination or something along those lines where he was where you were called into ministry and they laid hands on him and they sent him off into uh the ministry to be the leader of this church some people think that that's what that means i, I don't think that that means that at all. I think this is simply Paul telling Timothy, think of all the many occasions that we've talked about principles that will apply to this situation right now. 
Remember the things you've heard me say on many occasions, with many people there as witnesses. All of those things. That is what you need to draw on and rely on. Think of the wisdom and the the discernment that you have learned from all of those years growing as we ministered together. You've heard these things. Now apply them to your situation that you are in right here and right now. And so, so Timothy is continuing... He's continuing to be a learner. And Paul is continuing to be a discipler, even though he is not with him. I think it's important to see that Paul continues to disciple Timothy, even from afar. You know, some of the men who have had the greatest impact in my life and in my ministry are not people that are in this area. They're men that I only get to see occasionally, maybe once a year or sometimes once every several years. But in Christ, we can develop the kind of bonds and relationships that span all of those distances and all those times of being apart. And when I do see them, it, we can immediately pick back up and, and talk shop and talk about ministry and talk about how our church is doing and, and talk about uh, how God is, is working and the difficulties that we're facing and all those different kinds of things. And, and that is a beautiful thing in the life of a believer. For you to have men and women in your life that maybe aren't immediately involved in your life, but they can speak truth into your life. Because sometimes people who are removed from your current situation can see it with clearer eyes. And they don't necessarily think, oh, well, I need to help Timothy get through this difficult situation because it's really hard on Timothy. But, But Paul, being distanced and removed from this, can speak truth to his disciple and challenge him to do what God would have him to do. This is important in the life of, I think, every believer. In fact, some Christian leaders advocate actually having mentors from afar. And they, they, they oftentimes want those to be people you've never met, whether that's through reading books or listening to podcasts or, or listening to uh, video sermons. And in fact, it's a great thing for us to continue to learn from disciples who have already gone to be with the Lord. Some Christian leaders actually tell you that you should uh, be discipled by three people. One person who's alive, one person who's dead, and one person that you actually disagree with on some theological opinions. So that you can be well-rounded in, in your ability to think through, through what you believe and what you think God's Word really is teaching you. And, and we can do that because we have access to great materials in, in our church library and the internet is full of opportunities for us to sit under the teaching of someone who can help us to grow deeper into our faith. But we're always learners, and and even from people who are far and distant and removed from us, we have the opportunity to continue to grow in our walks with Christ and to continue to be learning. Because we must always be learners, always be trying to apply those lessons that we've learned to the current situations that we find ourselves in. So what is the advice? What is the advice that that Timothy uh, receives from his mentor? Essentially, it is this. Our job is to multiply the effects of the gospel. We are not called to simply be disciples, but to make disciples. God is constantly going to be building his church. And as I mentioned in in our opening, I love that quote from Dan, that we're not to be hoarders of the God's grace, but everything that we receive, we're supposed to pass on to others. Whatever God has used in our lives, whether it's Bible studies that we've done, whether it's difficulties we've gone through, whether it's trials that we have endured, There are all sorts of things that God wants to use so that we can share 
in the lives of others and help them to grow up and to mature into disciples who love the Lord. God wants us to use the good in our life. He wants us to use the bad, the ups and the downs. To use those things to speak truth into the lives of other believers around us. And I know that I advocated that we can learn some of those things from people who are far from us. But it's most effective when it's people who are involved in your life when you're sharing that life together with them. So we can learn some of the knowledge from people who are far away from us. But to really put those things into action, it has to be done with people who are, who are in the trenches with us, side by side, together. And, and Timothy finds himself in this very difficult situation and, and Paul, from afar, challenges him that he needs to, to get involved doing what God has called him to do. Not just to get out of this difficult ministry situation. Notice that, that Paul doesn't ever give Timothy advice on how to solve the problem that he's facing. He doesn't say, this is what you need to do. Do, this, do X, Y, and Z, and then everything will be perfect for you. Instead, what he challenges him is he says, Timothy, you then... Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. All those things that you've heard me to say, now get about making disciples in your church. Do the job that God has called you to do. In essence, Paul tells his disciple to use this difficult time for the glory of God and for the growth of God's church and kingdom. And this is a repeating chorus for Paul as well. In Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12, when he's talking to the Ephesians church, he says that, that God gave some gifts to the church. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of service. For the building up of the body of Christ. Paul reminds Timothy that his purpose is to make disciples who will make disciples who will build the church. So get your eyes off the difficulty around you and focus it on what it is that God would really have you to do. If we are going to build God's church and to help expand His kingdom, we must pass on our wisdom and knowledge to those who will continue to pass it on. This is a very important, uh, this is a very important thing that we need to understand regarding discipleship. Paul tells Timothy, entrust, to, entrust these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. While yes, we must be diligent to just scatter the seeds of the gospel wherever we go. We also have to be very intentional about looking for men and women that we can build into their lives in such a way because we see in them a desire to share that with others. We need to find men who understand that the power of our ministry comes from Christ. Because how do we find these faithful men? How do we determine who is going to be faithful and who isn't? I believe it all connects back to the phrase to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You see, when we find men and women who understand that the power for our ministry comes from Christ Jesus himself, when we, when we find men and women who understand that all Christians have access to that power in their lives and desire to see it used as they rely on that power, then those are the kinds of faithful men and women that we should be seeking. They know their limitations, but they also know the power of their God and that he can do all things to accomplish his purposes through us. But we live in a culture that, that doesn't think about honoring the Lord above all else. And we also live in a culture that's very linear. Notice that, that Paul says here that he wants uh, to, to see this grow exponentially. 
We oftentimes think of handing things off from one person to another. It's the Olympics, right? So, so most of us have, have seen that, you know, the, the relays and those kinds of things where there's one runner and they start the race and they hand the baton to the next runner and they run and then they do their best and they hand it off to the next runner who runs and to the anchor who hopefully brings home the gold for their country, right? And, and that we think in a linear fashion. But discipleship is not just simply passing, not passing knowledge on from one person to another. It's about building the entire body of Christ. And that happens when we're building into the lives of many men and women. So whoever God has brought into your circle of influence, you should be scanning that and saying, who are some of these people who love the Lord, who understand their own limitations, but want to see God's power working in and through them and, and investing in the lives of other people? And we should be finding those men and women and be pulling them aside and building into them very intentionally. And when we do that, what Paul is talking about here, many, uh, m- many theologians say that this is referred to as the ministry of multiplication rather than the ministry of addition where I'm sharing with one person and they might get saved and they share with one person who, may, who might, get, might get saved. We can see exponential growth in the kingdom when we are willing to, to make disciples of all these people around us and build into the lives of many, but especially those who are willing to pass it on as well. One of the theologians in my life that I have always loved to learn from, and when I was a young man, he was still alive, but now he's one of those uh, theologians who has passed on that I can learn from, is, is Warren Wearsby. And, and when he's, in, in his commentary, as he's talking about this passage of Scripture, he says this, It takes strength to teach the Word of God. We must dig out, the rich mine, we must dig out of the rich mines of Scripture, the gold, silver, and precious stones that are hidden there. The ability to study, understand, and teach the Word of God is a gift of God's grace. Apt to teach is one of God's requirements for the pastor. Apt to teach means apt to learn. So a steward must also be a diligent student of the Word of God. Whether we are serving in Awana, in a small group ministry, whether you are helping out at the Beacon of Hope, we should be looking for those people in our lives who, who are willing to mine the, the riches of God's Word, to apply those truths in their own lives, and to share those truths with others. We should be looking for those kinds of men and women who are apt to teach, wanting to teach, able to teach, and investing in their lives, and then setting them free so that they can use those gifts that God has given to them. But I think it's also important. I've included verses 3 and 4 in this passage of Scripture on purpose because the last thing I want us to look at this morning is that a disciple must have laser focus. I think it's important that a disciple must understand it's not about me. It's about the body of Christ. It's about the church. Too often we think of finding somebody to disciple who's kind of like me, who I can get along with, and and we can agree on many things. But verses 3 and 4 say, Share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. 
As I said, oftentimes this, is, these pas- this passage of Scripture is broken down and, and, and it includes the part about the athlete or, or the hardworking farmer and we don't have time to look at all of those things this morning. But I didn't want to separate verses 3 and 4 from the passage that we're looking at because it's so easy for us to d- get distracted, to take our eyes off of the goal that we're really supposed to be working toward in Christ Jesus. And I think there's something more for us to, to learn here that, that we have to keep our eyes on the prize. And while facing personal difficulties and questions, Paul reminds Timothy that this isn't about your feelings. He says suffering can't stop us from making disciples. You you may feel like you are suffering, but that can't stop us from making disciples. In civilian pursuits, Timothy, those things can't stop us from making disciples. Because too often we get mixed up in everything else. Everything that's going on in the world around us, and we completely lose sight of our responsibility to make disciples. I'm not saying we shouldn't ever be involved in the things around us. But Paul reminds Timothy that no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. When we're facing difficulty, it's easy to lose our focus and forget about the ministry that God has given us. Paul challenges Timothy to invest in what is eternal. Invest in the things around you that will last. And do that because it's what your commanding officer, Jesus, has called us to do. We can't ever lose sight of that. We should do what the Lord commands of us. And ultimately, we can then trust Him with those Results At the end of this section, as Paul is giving this insight to his disciple, in 2 Timothy 2.10, he sums it up this way. He says, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul tells Timothy to not put his eyes on the difficulties in his church, but to focus on finding faithful men who will continue the ministry of making disciples. And we are going to endure everything for the sake of the elect, for those that Jesus is going to call into a relationship with himself, that they might obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. We don't know who that's going to be. So we faithfully serve and minister. We look for those faithful men and women that we can pour our lives into so that they can become mature disciples who are going to pour into the lives of others as well. You see, Christ will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So no matter what we're facing, God calls us to build his church. Be involved in making disciples. Be involved in looking for those that you can mentor and disciple and grow. And no matter what your role is in this church, you need to find faithful men and women that you can disciple, that you can pass the gospel on, that you can pass your passion for ministry on to. But I think it's important for us to also understand that that this isn't only talking about pastoral ministry. This isn't just saying, hey, find the next pastor to replace you. This is talking about the church in general and building the church. And while, yes, that does include finding faithful men who will become the preachers and the teachers of the next generation, it doesn't limit itself to that. When summing up this passage of Scripture, John MacArthur reminds us that it's ultimately about building God's church and kingdom. And he sums it up this way. He says, In a still wider sense, every believer has a responsibility to teach God's truth to any other believer, even one who is older or more mature in the faith. 
Pastors can learn from other church members. Parents can learn from their children. Teachers can learn from their students. Wives can learn from their husbands, and husbands can learn from their wives, and friends can learn from friends. We need to be surrounding ourselves with people who want to be passionate about following Christ as we are. And then we need to disciple them and teach them and grow them as they're even teaching and growing us as well. So what does this mean for for the local church? What does this mean? What does this look like? So as we close, I want us to be reminded of that discipleship in action graphic that I created. I want us to understand that, see what Paul is saying here. There's so many things that I have taught you. Remember all those things that I have taught you. And now you need to put them into practice and grow in those things as you're you're growing and serving in that local church. You're facing a lot of obstacles, Timothy, and I want you to understand that, that all those lessons that I've taught you before, those are applicable to you now. But not only are they applicable to you, you are called to make disciples and to share those lessons and to share the gospel and to share your love for Christ with others. So all of these things go hand in hand together. And, and that's how, how God wants us to build his church is by, by taking the things that we're learning from his word, from others, from our experiences in life and ministry and look for faithful men and women that we can build into their lives so that God can exponentially grow his church. And I am here this morning, and I want to challenge us that if you think that you're not able or capable of serving in some of these areas that need helps in ministry, whether that's the Beacon of Hope. I, I can't tell you how many times we hear, oh, I just don't know if I could be an advisor at Beacon of Hope. I just don't know if I could do that. Praise the Lord, you're halfway there. You can do it in the strength that he provides. Oh, I just don't know if I could help lead a a group of Awana kids. Well, praise the Lord, you're halfway there. You can't do it, but he can. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And you can do these things. God wants to use every believer to be discipling and building into the lives of others. And we need to be intentional about it. And it starts with me as a pastor. And it starts with the other pastors and elders, and it starts with the deacons, but it's it's every single person in this church needs to be actively involved in discipling others. That's what God's called us to do, to build his church, to find other faithful men who will also be able to teach. And I think that if we do that, we will see God blessing in ways that we can't imagine. And that's my hope and my prayer for us as a church. Let's pray. Father God, what an awesome honor and privilege it is for us to be involved in the building of your kingdom, in the building of your church, here locally and to the ends of the earth. Father, I pray that everyone here would, who knows Christ as their Savior would be willing to examine their lives and be strengthened by the grace that you provide. And look for men and women that they can disciple who will disciple others. Oh, what a joy it is for us to know you. Help us to not keep that joy to ourselves. But to faithfully serve and to share it with others. So that your kingdom may expand exponentially. Here in St. John's and to the ends of the earth. It's in Christ's name that we pray.
Amen.